I must admit, I didn't think much of this show the first time I laid eyes on it. Seemed like a bunch of stiffs wasting nice the microphones. Trade of all time happened back in 1803. Go ahead. Napoleon Bonaparte traded the Louisiana Purchase for $3 million. Napoleon, what happened? <laughs> Half the country for $3 million. You can't even get Tucker Barnhart for $3 million. And I came to realize anymore. these guys are funny. And Justin Fields have identical stats the last five weeks about throwing the football. This guy, okay, and folks, is a fidget spinner. some of the best spare. gamblers I've come to know. If you're betting on USC and or TCU, let it be known, you are a square. TCU is going to hammer this team tomorrow night. And I hate to hear that. Tomorrow when we afternoon. come back in here on Monday, you're going to be happy as a lark because USC lost, but you're going to be wrong about TCU. Get ready for the most useless hour of your day. It's time for Boxed Lunch, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Now, Casey... Run that track. Did you steal that song from your DJ on Saturday? That'll get the people out on the dance floor. Casey, are we going to get the, the trifecta of wedding songs? Which is the electric slide, the Cupid shuffle, are we getting all three of those from the DJ on Saturday? Uh, I imagine so. I don't see why we would. Are we going to get... We're, we're gonna, well, we're definitely going to do some Cotton Eye Joe. Ooh, Cotton Eye Joe. I forgot okay. about that one. Are we getting the wobble? Probably. I would imagine we're doing some wobble. Because nothing we're, gets we're, the people going like, just here, get in there! Yeah, yeah! yeah. yeah. Get in there! <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, this is Box Lunch presented by Betfred Sportsbook. We got a full house tonight. Of course, I'm Reed. Got the Ham and Acres, Casey and Paul. And over here, we got Elliot and Jacob, as always, newcomers to the show. And we'll get to Elliot in a little bit. But first, I have something to say. Um, Uh-oh. You know, over the weekend, Reds played the, the Cubs. And, you know, I've quickly become a pariah in the chat. Um, on this chat, Chatterbox Reds chat on Twitter. And it's well-deserving. I reap what I sow, right? I mean, I make jokes about how bad the Reds have been in recent years. And I often go on these lengthy rants, um, pretty much just pointing the Reds at the base of the joke. And I try to do it in all good and fun, but, you know, there is a part of me that, that does mean all these things. And I do this despite... Everyone I love, pretty much everyone I know, being Reds fans. This is the route I've chosen, and I've talked a big game. And when the Reds go into Wrigley Field and sweep my beloved Cubs, you know, the Cubs get swept by the Reds, a team I've been poking at for, for months. I have to sit here with humility and humbly honor all that I deserve and all the ridicule I deserve and, and just honor the Reds, honor what happened. So, Casey, let's show how we're going to honor the Reds. Look at that. Oh, Casey, right there, baby. Hang the banner. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Reds. 
right next to the big red machine in the wire to wire, you've got that you swept the Cubs in May of 2023. I just wanted to honor you guys and all the Reds fans and all the Cincinnati Reds slappies that come at me for my attire, come at me when the Cubs lose, everything. I just wanted to honor you guys. So right there, put it up there at Great American Ballpark. You've, you've deserved that. Good job, guys. Good job. All right. <laughs> Let's go to the man of the hour. It's Elliot Rearing. That, Elliot. Gra that, graphic, that graphic made me sick. Did it make you sick? Yeah, that was horrendous. You didn't like that? Now, what? Now what? Now would you rather have that banner or the one that says 108 years without a World Series win? There's not a banner at Wrigley Field that says 108 years. There is a banner. There is a 108-year gap between two banners. <laughs> <laughs> 1908 and 2016. Yeah. But you know what? Honestly, when it comes to the Cubs, everyone makes fun of 108 years, and that's crazy that they went 108 years without winning a championship. The crazier thing is that they went – 43 years without making the postseason. <laughs> they went from 1945 to 1998. So what is that? That's 53 years. That's oh, no, 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 1984. My bad. So 1945 to 1984. So 39 years without making the postseason, which is worse. It's pretty incredible. And then they went 1908 to 2003 without winning a postseason series. Yep. So what a long time. But Elliot... How does it feel to be a part of Chatterbox Sports? It's it's a great honor. I'm happy to be here. I've been learning. Uh, you know, I the first day, my first day was yesterday. I was still figuring out where to park. I parked about two miles down the street over there. We had Reed and Paul getting valet service in front of the building. I I, I was <laughs> I was parking down the street. I think my car got broken into. But other than that, it's been it's been <laughs> awesome. It's been awesome to be a part of you guys so far for two days. A day and a half, really. We do not get valet service here in Hamilton because if you uh, if you open up my center console, <laughs> yeah, you'll see about eight parking tickets in there. <laughs> I, I let my wife borrow my truck last week because she had to go grab something from Sam's Club, and I get a call, and she's just hysteric. She's like, you're going to get arrested, Reed. I mean, this is absolutely <laughs> insane. They could have a warrant out for your arrest. I was like, all right, honey. like, I'm not going to get arrested for parking tickets. No. And I talked to... A couple cops are like, yeah, I mean, like, if you get pulled over, they, they might. They might. <laughs> if there's enough parking tickets. So we've got to get those squared They're away. Option. Here, those so. are optional, Pat. Those gotta, are optional. Got to get those squared away. As you join Chatterbox, what are you most excited about joining the this wow. weird and wonderful world of yeah, Chatterbox? Yeah, well, sports? number one, my number one thing was learning what it was to be a nut cutter. So that was, That's we good. checked that one right off. Right. Uh, the other one, I'm going to try to beat you guys in gambling. I'm a notorious gambler. I'm a horrendous gambler. Doesn't take too too much yeah. to beat mm. beat these. Yeah, two. but yeah. you haven't seen me gamble yet. I'm I'm bad, but I'm Ooh. still gonna try. And that's what that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be so sweet to beat you three, as bad of a gambler as I am. It's just gonna be more insulting to you guys. Mm. Let's see what else. Uh, I, I I'm really excited to to get to be a part of the show with Tom. Tom Brenneman, legend of the of the baseball community of the of the broadcast community. Correct. I work I work with some legends over there at uh, ESPN fifteen thirty. So, legends and me just go hand in hand. Mm. Let's mm. see who what else do I got? Uh, UC Xavier. That is, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Me versus Paul. That's right. Unfortunately, that rivalry hasn't gone my way for quite some time. Are you University of Cincinnati graduate? I am. I, I went to Toledo first. I went to the University of Toledo. T O O. Yeah. Go. T O O. <laughs> that's right. Go Rockets. Uh, I transferred back once I realized what a great place Toledo was. And then, so we graduated from Cincinnati. Respect, and that's respect to Toledo. 
I respect the great. That's all due respect to the great city of Toledo. In in all honesty, I haven't been to many college football stadiums, but two that I've always liked. I've I love the Glass Bowl up there in Toledo. Yep. That's a fun stadium. It's a great one. And then Nippert. So you got you got a good one. Nippert's How about a, that. Nippert's look cool. Look at you just going to the great football <laughs> stadiums. It's awesome. Now, is it going to be okay between you two sitting so close between a, a Saint X guy and an elder guy? Yeah, that's yeah. Us elder guys, we keep it respectful. I don't know how they operate over there, but we're 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 you know we're we're top tier. Mm. We know how to operate with our foes and be respectful and be humble. Them, not so much, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll be the better man, and he'll he'll be there. Doesn't seem too too respectful over there. Why not? <laughs> A lot of I'm, backhanded compliments on day one. No, 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 no. Those are real compliments. I'm, I'm complimenting you guys. You guys are, you know, you, you guys take pride in being the best self-proclaimed. So that's <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Who is the most hated GCL South school? Elder. That's wrong. What an incorrect take. It's LaSalle. LaSalle. Nobody goes to LaSalle. Nobody likes LaSalle. And again, that's all due respect to LaSalle. <laughs> I don't think there's any respect to LaSalle there. <laughs> 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 let, me let me clarify. With all due respect to the great school of LaSalle, they're terrible and no one likes them. That's, no, all no, due that's, all, that's no my opinion. No pushback from me. That's, now, that's, Jacob, immediately, see, I said, who is the worst school yeah. in the GCL South? He immediately said Elder. Well, I think St. X, Moeller, and LaSalle would all three agree that it's Elder. That's, that's Elder. That's just wrong. We have the best cheers. Have you heard our cheers? Yeah, you knocked me out of the state championship playoffs my senior year. I got a little mm. progression in here. I've heard mm. the cheers. Mm. St. X says nothing. They, I'll tell you what St. X says. I used to play tennis. They have great tennis courts. Great, great tennis courts. Great swim. Great swim facility. Best yeah. in the country. What's uh? They they do uh, rowing. Call a swim facility. Uh, a swimming natatorium. pool. Natatorium. 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 The great natatorium. Keating natatorium. Yeah, it's great. Beautiful place. All the state championships up on the wall, tw 28 straight or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, water polo. Yeah. You're the only water polo within 500 miles. Something the only like water polo team. And we win. So. And you win. And we win. You beat nobody, but you win because mm. you're, you're the only one there. I like it, though. Right. I respect it. What high school do you go to? Stephen T. Baden High School. That's right, Baden. The other GCL. The lesser. The lesser. The one that nobody really cares about. Respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> Is that because there's girls go to the school? You guys misogynistic? Mm. No. Wait a mm. minute. Mm. Wait a minute. There Tread was lightly. Tread what? lightly. There was girls at Elder once. Just a little fun fact for you. Long time ago. Never girls at X. That's Never. right. So they're the ones. They're, they're bad. Elliot's Respe been on this show for 14 minutes and he's already canceled. <laughs> no, I'm not canceled. <laughs> Can't cancel the zebra. Can't cancel a zebra. Mm. Or an Okapi? Okapi. Yeah, Okapi. Yeah, the zoo was great. When was the last time you went to the zoo, Reed? When was the last time I went to the zoo? Yeah. Was probably my eighth grade field trip. Okay. Um, so that was pre-Harambe? That was pre-Harambe, correct. Mm. That would have been 2010. Interesting. Interesting. Harambe died after you went there, huh? Six years later. Hmm. I'm the plague. You'd hate, you'd hate to put the connections, but... You know, I, I would hate to see where you're at in 2029, Elliot. <laughs> hate to see where you're at. All right, let's get back to sports. All right, guys. So, and this is me putting away the red shtick. I, I, I swear, there's no joke at the end of this, guys. I, last night, so Elliot De La Cruz is the number one prospect in baseball. I, last night, pulled up an aggregate of all the different number one prospects over the past years, over the past 20 years or so. And I actually got sad because I've had to come to grips with the fact that as a Cubs fan, 
I'm going to have to deal with the problem that is Ellie De La Cruz for at least six years. Let me give you the list of number one prospects or last three years. Because this entire list maybe has one stinker in it. Maybe has one guy who didn't pan out to at least be a good player. So this is the list. Gunnar Henderson for the Baltimore. Still waiting to see what he is. Bobby Witt has shown so much promise over the year and a half that he's played for the Royals. So now we're going into people that we've actually seen a little bit of. Adley Rutschman. Maybe already the best catcher in baseball. Wander Franco. Incredible. Vladdy Jr. Shohei Otani. Ronald Acuna Jr. And then we got Andrew Benatendi, who's been okay. Corey Seager. Chris Bryant. Byron Buxton. Bryce Harper, Jason Hayward, Matt Wieters, Jay Bruce, Dice K. Matsuzaka, Joe Maurer, Mark Teixeira. Essentially, what I'm getting at is that the list of number one prospects is about as sure thing, as sure of a thing in Major League as we have seen, at least over the past few decades. And I am truly having to come to grips with the fact that he's going to be good for a while. So as the Reds organization, there's a lot of talk. When's Ellie going to come up? When's Ellie going to come up? The Reds have now won four straight games. Guys, do you think that the Reds need to bring him up this weekend for the homestand? Strike while the iron's hot. The Reds are playing well. They're in shooting distance of the division. And you're bringing the division leader in. And the Brewers get, you know, sell tickets this weekend. Is it time that the Reds should bring Ellie De La Cruz up? Well, so here's the thing, in my opinion. They don't need to sell tickets this weekend. They got Zach Brown. They got the Joey Votto bobblehead. Sundays are always fine. I don't think they need to sell tickets this weekend. So if anything, I would kind of argue the opposite on that, that maybe you don't bring them up this weekend because you've already accomplished the tickets goal. Maybe you do it on a weekend where you don't have everything going on. What about the play, though, and the fact that you you bring the division leader in? But you do bring the division leader in. You are guaranteed to have a full crowd. So maybe that's why you bring him up. Right. I see both sides of the coin on that. Jacob Elliott? Yeah, Reed, you hit it there for me. Ticket sales. I'm done with ticket sales. We're, Don't care. There's 1,000 people at the games during the week. I'm not calling Elliott up for ticket sales. We have three games against the Brewers. We win mm-hmm. all three. If we finish this series strong against the Red Sox, even split these two, then play these three games against the Brewers, there's a legitimate chance we could leave this weekend in first place the NL Central. And Ellie De La Cruz gives us the best chance to do that. Uh, where are you going to play him? Sure, I get that. He's played a lot of third base. Mm-hmm. You can play him at third base. You don't have to move Jonathan India yet. You play McLean at shortstop. You play Spencer Steer at first. Nick Senzel comes back healthy. Move him out to left. You have a good lineup, good, exciting lineup for a guaranteed sellout on Friday with Zach Brown concert. Joey Votto bobblehead on Saturday. A lot of butts and seats. I don't know. I think it's the perfect week to bring, perfect weekend to bring him up. Elliot, any push? If your goal is to win games, if your goal is to be competitive, you bring up Ellie De La Cruz. If your goal is to trust the process and this year's a wash year and at the deadline we're going to sell some more, then no, you don't. You, you, if, you, if that's what Crawl believes in, then that's what they're going to do. But if your goal is to be competitive, you bring him up right now. You bring him up as soon as possible when you try to win the division. And it's a very winnable division. If, if he comes up, they bring Ellie up. And obviously, Matt McClain just was announced National Player of the Week. So, in his you know first few weeks in the bigs, has shown so much potential. Shows, seen so many good signs that Matt McClain's going to be a ball player for, for years to come. If Ellie De La Cruz comes up, 
and starts playing well, starts playing at a similar clip or even better of Matt McClain. The rumors that we're hearing about Jonathan India, the rumors that we're hearing about Nick Sinzel, does it, if McClain and Ellie keep producing, if Ellie comes up to the big leagues and produces, does it make you feel worse or better? Does it push you in the direction of wanting to trade Jonathan India and Nick Sinzel? Or does it make you want to say, let's keep these guys. We've got a good thing going here. We've got a good roster. Where does it push you if Ellie De La Cruz lives up to expectations and Matt McClain keeps playing well? Well, I, I think first and foremost, Nick Senzel and Jonathan India are two completely different situations. Okay. Jonathan India, I would love to have him on the Reds. I think Nick Senzel is as good as gone at the deadline. So I'm not really worried about moving Nick Senzel around if Ellie comes up. Indy, if Ellie comes up and it plays well right away, the way he's playing in AAA, I think Jonathan India is gone at the deadline. You have your middle infield for the next decade, hopefully, with, in, with McLean at second and Elliott Short. McLean had five errors in AAA at shortstop and none at second base. He's a, he's a very fluid second baseman. I don't think that change is, is hard at all. I think if Ellie comes up and produces right away, it makes the decision a lot easier on Jonathan India. So you're saying if, if they play well, and say the Reds are playing exciting baseball, you still want to see, you go, hey, we've got our middle infield from, from here going forward. I don't see a scenario in which Jonathan India fits on this team anymore. Let's get rid of him. I, I don't see, a, granted, could be wrong, Jonathan India could just buy in and want to be a red. I don't see a situation where he accepts a move to the outfield. He's a good enough second baseman that one of the 29 teams, and I mean, Scott Boris touched on it today. One of the 29 teams in the league are going to pay him as a starting second baseman. And, you know, granted, just the way the baseball standings look, they're probably a more competitive team than the Reds. Right. So I don't see the benefit for Jonathan India to move to the outfield, DH all the time, when, you know, we have two young guys that are, are going to start over. Elliot, same question. If they play well, Ellie and Matt, Matt McClain keep playing well, are you pro moving India, or do you think that there's something to this team now and you want to keep the, the talents that you do have? You keep India on the roster. I don't see a, a point of moving Jonathan India. He's the leader of the team, and at some point you have to keep the guys that people pay to see. I know people don't like to hear that, but fan favorites do exist, and you, they've, the Reds have made it a, a, a long-standing thing to trade all the fan favorites. Nick Senzel is tradable. If this, is the, this is the time you trade Nick Senzel. He's an injury-prone guy. He's injured right now. Let him work it out for, until the trade deadline. He's hitting, what, 400 against lefties? He's the best left-handed bat in the league right trade now. Nick Sen if we're going to trade people, trade Nick Senzel. Get rid of him now while you can. You keep Jonathan India. You move him so McLean and Ellie can prosper. But other, other than that, yeah, I, I, there's a DH spot available. Obviously, I think Strand will probably go there. Steer will go to first. India maybe at second. I would think Ellie could go to third base. Keep McLean at short, Ellie to third. Ellie has the arm. That's what I would do. If Ellie De La Cruz has the arm, has the athletic ability to play short, I think he would be a great third baseman. You keep, you keep Matt McLean at short, India at second. Steer at first. Does, does India's defensive struggles at second base scare you at all? Yeah, but... If you move him to the outfield, that doesn't help that. It's, it's, he would be worse in the outfield, in my opinion. Uh, you'd have to worry about his arm. You'd have to worry about catching fly balls, which he struggles with in the infield. But I don't think he's a horrendous second baseman. He's not like the worst of all time. He, Fernando, Fernando Tatis was a terrible shortstop. Terrible. He couldn't field a ball. They moved him to right field. He's not great there either. Now, granted, it's a completely different thing because he's Fernando Tatis, juiced, but whatever. Uh, I, I think India has to remain on this roster no matter what. If he's, a, if he's a mediocre second baseman, and that's the other thing. Defense, as much as 
You know, defense matters on this Reds team when we're fighting and scrapping for every win. Defense doesn't matter when you're the, when, when you're the Tampa Bay Rays, when you're 26 and 5 or whatever they were. I don't think defense matters as much as offense. And right now, India is one of the best offensive second basemen in, the, in, the, in Major League Baseball. He is, yeah, there's no doubt about that, that he's one of the best offensive second basemen. But defensively, last year, just looking at his baseball reference page, he was a negative 1.3 defensive war. So he cost the team at least one win, one win in theory, defensively. And here, a third of the way through the season, which is right around where we're at, he has on pace to be a negative one defensive war again at second base. So him at second base doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think part of the, the, the narrative around moving him in lines with convincing another team that he is their second baseman. The numbers don't, I mean, here in Cincinnati, we, we've seen that. I don't think that there's a whole lot of uh, convincing that he's going to be the second baseman of the future, especially with all the talent. The only way that he fits on this roster going forward is playing somewhere in the corner outfield, finding a new spot for him, which then you could argue that offensively he doesn't have as much value there. So, Paul, before you left and, and went to the – wherever you went. <laughs> I didn't want to say go to the restroom because I don't know where you went. But uh, before that happened – I sympathize with Tom, man. I started pounding this water. I just can't. I can't keep it in anymore. All right, go ahead. Um, I posed the question: If yes. Ellie comes up and yes. is fantastic, lives up to the hype that they have for him, Matt McClain keeps doing what he's doing, which has been fantastic. Does that push you wanting to move? Because I know your take yesterday was keep India. If Ellie and Matt McClain keep playing the way that we think they're going to play, keep living up to hype. Does that push you into wanting to move India, or does that make you want to keep him even more because now you're adding to the talent that you have? Yeah, I want to keep him even more. And the thing that I keep struggling with here is that we're talking about a Reds team that is still below 500, that is not in first place, that could be in first place. But we're talking about this team like they have some embarrassment of riches and there are not smart enough people in the world to figure out how to make this work. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about the 27 Yankees here. We're talking about a team that has some really, really good, potentially generational guys in AAA that are hoping work out at the major league level. There's got to be somebody smart enough in this organization to figure out how to make all of this work. This is not like you have Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Ellie De La Cruz and all these dudes all on the same team. We're talking about prospects that are coming up that you are trying to slot in to figure out how to make a successful team out of. So that's where, to me, I just get so frustrated looking at this, where I'm thinking to myself, this is not, this is not a, a, a lineup of guys right now. They could be. They could be in 10 years. But right this second, this is not a lineup of guys that is six of the nine guys are Hall of Famers. This is a lineup of guys that are really, really good in AAA, that are number one prospects who right. pretty much always, right. for the most part, will pan out at least. In to, some entity. In, in some way will pan out. You know, they, they might not be a Hall of Famer, but they will be very if, good for if your If the team. worst is Andrew Benatendi or Jerkison Profar, yeah. it's a pretty good list. Yeah. So, like, let's figure out a way to make all of this work instead of saying, oh, we just – an all-star second baseman? Yeah, we don't got any room for him. Let's trade him away. What? So you like the proven entity. What's the old phrase? One in the hand yeah. is worth two in the bush. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's 
to me on a team like this, and I think Elliot makes a great point about there's something to be said about fan favorites. And maybe somebody doesn't go buy a ticket to see Jonathan India play. Maybe they're not going to go out of their way to buy a ticket to watch him play. But you trade him, and then it just becomes even more apathy of, oh, man, I don't want to get attached to somebody because they're just going to trade him away. So I, I think all of that combined leads to my feeling on all of this. I, just to somewhat piggyback off of what Nick just said in the chat. Piggyback off it. I, I don't see why he can't just split time and be a guy. I mean, at, to this point, what I'm thinking of, Jonathan India is a lot like, in some regards, to Tyler Boyd, who is now the third receiver. Mm. And you could even sometimes argue he's like the fourth guy on the offense, depending on what day you're, you know. So for Jonathan India, would he be willing to split time at second base, DH, give guys breaks, and, you know, be part of, of a rotation that allows your center field to be always healthy, your infield to always be healthy? I don't know. Maybe he'd be up for that. I'm convinced Evan Marrer is Matt McLean's burner. <laughs> like, nobody hates Jonathan India more than this guy Evan in the chat Evan actually so I get from all the people that tweet me anytime that the Cubs lose and Reds win Evan is the best because he doesn't send anything with the tweet he just ats Reed Mouse Radio just just <laughs> ats my Twitter just to let me know like hey the Reds won hey the Cubs lost whatever it is he's just like hey at Reed Mouse Radio just just know I'm in my head. And it works. Like, I get that tweet. And I'm like, God damn it. Is the, are the Reds winning right now? What's going on right now? I, listen, I think that if you can prove that Jonathan India can play multiple positions, yeah. You get him to where he could, like Kirby said in the chat, if you get him to where he can play second, sometimes filling at third, left, right. What was the analogy that, that Tom drew yesterday? Chris Bryant. That's what the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. He wasn't a very good fielding third baseman. So they said, all right, we're just going to put you in the lineup every day. You're going to play a different position and we're just not going to anchor you down at third base. You might play left, right, first, third, whatever it is. If you can do that with Jonathan India, yeah. Athleticism, versatility is the name of the game. And when you have so many young prospects, so much young talent, you want them all to be as versatile as possible. Yeah, you want Ellie De La Cruz to be anchored down at one position. Yeah, there is a, a mental note of knowing that you're going to be in the lineup playing this position every day there is a part of that but if you can mold jonathan india into being this guy that can fill in wherever and he's not going to be good defensively wherever he fills in but you know he's going to be a reliable bat and you know that he's serviceable in you know two to three positions keep him around and i think the whole contingency of the trade india talk relies on what you get. Listen, any of us would sell our car today if we can get five $5,000 over the value of it. There's always a price to something, right? And just floating Jonathan India, maybe you get one of these teams that have a deficiency at second base and they're, they're hungry. And you know what? They're going to give you an MLB caliber starting pitcher or an out corner outfielder. Or whatever the Reds might be, there's always a price. It's always funny whenever these GMs go like, yeah, we're hearing offers on so-and-so. You should always hear offers on everybody. 
because there's always a price to everything. And I think that it is a flowing juxtaposition what's going to happen with the Reds going forward. It is contingent on a lot of young players playing well. And to Paul's point, you have the proven entity at Jonathan India. So keep plugging them in, listen to offers, and whatever happens, happens. I think that the Reds and Reds fans are in a position where the right answer is whatever comes out on the other side. If you get good talent for it, great job. If you keep him and he proves to be the same player that he's shown this year and his rookie year, good job. Can't really go wrong. So it's interesting to see. Any more thoughts on Jonathan India before we wrap that up? Elliot, Jacob? Well, I'll just say one thing. A lot of people talk about the India trade like it starts and ends with Elliot De La Cruz coming up. Noel V. Marte is coming up. Edwin mm-hmm. Arroyo is coming up. Victor Acosta, who we just got from the Padres, is an 18-year-old shortstop that was signed for big money. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot deeper in the middle infield than just Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain. And it's a lot easier to move guys in AA and AAA than it is to move Jonathan India, who is headed towards arbitration and is going to get a big deal. It is worth mentioning that if you're talking about an asset that is Jonathan India, you can't imagine that asset being more valuable than it is right now. And that's where I push back a little bit on what Paul said, is that like he fits in the lineup this year, correct? And we, he would be great for the team this year. Is his value ever going to be higher? Maybe not. And you get too far down the line, then you have to make a decision whether you pay him or you let him go. I don't know. I think we're in a, in a very weird spot right now where he, he's a great piece to have on a young team, but his value is also at a point where it might never get higher. Right. It just comes, it, it comes down to how much you value defense. If, if you value defense more than you value offense or at the same rate at, as offense, then you look to trade him. But like Reed said, you have to get something – equal in return. You have to get someone competent that will help this team now. If you're going to get rid of India and, and we're going to be competitive in 2025, we have to get somebody that can be competitive now. We can't get more prospects for Jonathan India. I don't want to. Unless other people do, I, it's, just, it's just not something you, you're trying to re, – we're going to rebuild. You have to build at some point. So trade India. If you're going to trade him, I want somebody that can help the team now. It doesn't have to be – you know, it, it, be a, it can be a, a very good reliever. The, the India stock is at, as, as at its complete peak right now. That is, that is a good point that you just brought up about the prospects, trading Jonathan India for prospects. Because I think if, if you talk to some people here, and we're in the infancy of this whole Jonathan India, should we trade him debates, that we start thinking about, like, well, yeah, if we get elite prospects, let's trade him. Let's do it right now. But if you trade away Jonathan India for elite prospects, you're pushing back the window another year. You're pushing, you're pushing back when you want to compete even farther. Because you got a young, all-star player, and you're trading him for you know what could be even better returns in those prospects, but that's going to rely on more time. So by trading him for prospects, you're pushing back the window. I think 2025 is what everyone's seeing. I don't think it's out of the picture to start thinking about competing next year with how bad the division is, with what we've seen from the team already playing way above what we expected. Who knows? It's going to be an interesting couple months going forward for the Reds. And I think no one can deny that. I, I, I'm really interested to see what they do if, they're, if the Reds are still hanging around in like the middle to end of July. Because it's they're mirroring the Orioles from last year so closely where the Orioles last year, the last week of July, first week of August, 
their playoff odds were dropping. They were right there on the cusp of competing for a spot. And then their general manager, Mike Elias, came out and he said, hey, look, we're going to be patient with this. We understand where we are. But we also know that now we got to go spend on major league talent because our guys are starting to come up, Adley and a couple other guys. And some of these prospects are starting to come up to the major leagues. So I'm kind of curious to see if we're sitting here on July 20th, you know, you're, you're getting closer mm-hmm. to the trade deadline. If the Reds, if they're, you know, three games out of first place, if they say, no, 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 look, we still have the plan for this year. We just want to get guys going through. And then 2024, maybe we are a year ahead of schedule because everybody seems to think that we're going to compete in 2025. But maybe we are a year ahead of schedule and we go and we get somebody, but you're not trading for guys and you just kind of ride out this wave of momentum. But at least now it's May 31st and we're actually still talking baseball, which I don't think any of us expected to be doing at this point. Nick Kirby just brought up a great um, comment in the chat. He says, we need to stop looking at windows. You do that by constantly acquiring talent. I think it was Nick Crawl last year that said, we are trying to eliminate peaks and valleys. We're just going to continually be good. This is what the Dodgers have seen. And the two teams that constantly get compared to where the Reds are at right now were the Cubs and the Astros about a half decade ago, right? And what happened to those two franchises? One of those franchises continuously kept acquiring talent. We're talking about the Astros. You know, you bring up Jose Altuve, George Springer, all these guys, but then you supplement it with more talent. Jordan Alvarez, Tucker, Framber Valdez, these guys that are young, and you keep reloading. The Dodgers have seemingly found this for over a decade. The Cubs didn't do that. They focused on a window, got rid of everything that they had, and now we're seeing the receipts of those decisions. So Kirby brings up a great point. If you keep bringing in talent, your problems go away. You keep getting good players, your problems go away. Which just adds another fold into the same thing that we're arguing. All right. Let's flip over to football because I'm so good at segues. Let's just do it that way. So about a week ago or a little bit of time ago, someone, I I, I forget who reported on it, talked about Joe Burrow's contract because that seems to be a point of contention. What's going to happen with Joe Burrow? When's he going to get extended? And... It was proposed that Joe Burrow might be the first player to sign a contract to where it's not a guaranteed value. It's not you're getting 50 million, 40 million. You get a percentage of the salary cap. So as the salary cap keeps moving up, so does your pay. In my personal opinion, when I first saw this, before going, before I saw this headline was whatever Joe Burrow gets, I'm cool with. 50 million, 45 million, 60 million. I don't care, right? The dude has a stranglehold over this city. We believe in him, giving full trust into Joe Burrow, JB9. But part of that was under the realization that these big contracts, the salary cup cap essentially goes up every year, every couple years, to where Patrick Mahomes' huge deal that he signed a couple years ago, the biggest the sport had ever seen, has already gone to the wayside amongst other quarterback contracts. And where you're giving, I mean, say you're giving them $60 million. $60 million in year one of Joe Burrow's contract doesn't look the same as 10 years down the road. It is minuscule to the portion of the salary cap. So when I heard this headline, when I saw this headline that Joe Burrow might get a percentage of the salary cap, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that was the first time that I heard any news 
about Joe Burrow's contract that I said, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. That is the only way in which I will be upset with what happens going forward with Joe Burrow. Now, Casey, you haven't had a whole lot, whole lot to talk. If Joe Burrow gets what has been reported, a percentage of the salary cap, where do you fit on – how does that make you feel as a Bengals fan? Well, uh, it really just depends on the, the percentage, right? Because let's say they decide, you know what, Joe – we're going to do percentage of the salary cap. You're only going to probably make $40 million this year. But by the time three years from now, that percentage, you're going to be making 60 Because the salary cap in the next couple years goes from 230 or 250 to like 280 in the next couple years. So, I mean, you're just – it depends on what that number is, right? Because it could, it could end up working out where it's like a – backloaded contract but you're still giving the same piece of the pie to fit for the rest of your team you know what i'm saying like right so it, it just depends on the proportion but it would lead me to believe that he would want something that is closer to market value right now which is market value is what 55 million somewhere around there yeah probably 55 maybe even 60 so what makes you think that it wouldn't start at whatever percentage 55 million is for the first year and then work as that percentage as the salary cap goes up so does his contract well for one i don't think the salary cap percentage thing is going to happen because the nfl mm -hmm. would just hate it they would hate it because one the contract is not defined you don't have numbers there to to work with it it's a fluctuating thing the salary cap could tank if there's another covid season you know what i mean like right. it, it could it fluctuates right it's not a defined number they have projections, but if the NFL does bad one season, if they continue to have Bud Light as their beer sponsor, oh. maybe they tank, you know? I, know. I, I don't oh, know. No. I'm just saying, like, those things are not defined, so that's why I'm, I don't think the NFL will go that direction. But I would not mind it depending on the percentage of the, the pie, right? Now, with Joe Burrow in year one probably getting top money, at least for a short time before Mahomes probably leapfrogs him and, you know, they start that whole process over again. Mm -hmm. It would be tough if it was percentage, man. I mean, that you're uh, really pigeonholing the team with that. And I just, with all the conversations that have been had with Joe Burrow wanting the guys to be signed, Jamar Chase and T, all that in the future, I just don't see that happening. I'm, I would be surprised and I would be shocked if he actually did become the highest paid quarterback, if that's all true what he's saying. I would be kind of surprised because just with the amount of money that they're available, that, that, that they have with them at the current moment, they wouldn't be able to sign T. Higgins if he signs top dollar. They just wouldn't be able to, unless he decided that year one he would take like hardly any money. You know what I mean? Like they they would have to work something out there to where it made sense for him. But I just don't see it, man. Are are we putting too much stock in Joe Burrow's? I don't know the the proper word here, but I, I'm gonna throw this word out here. It's not correct, but I think you guys get the gist. Of what I'm gonna say here? Are we putting too much stock into Joe's morality? And like we are constantly saying like oh he's gonna take a team-friendly deal he has said he has alluded to things along that sorts but are we just 
as a city so in love with the man that we're just like, this guy's perfect. Are we, are we the new girlfriend that the, the, the new boyfriend can do no wrong? Joe, Joe's the new guy. And he's like, oh, he's so sweet. He's so good. He's so great. When really, I mean, we're all human. We all have flaws. Are we putting too much stock into Joe's morality into thinking that he's going to take a team friendly deal? Yeah, I think that's kind of absurd. I, I, he's a professional athlete. He's going to get the best deal possible. And honestly, the Bengals should pay whatever they need. I think what Lamar's the highest paid right now, 52 mil. Something around that. I believe that. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 51 million. So it's, I, I, I think he's going to get somewhere around the 50 million ballpark. I don't think, I don't, as much as he's going to say he wants to be able to sign everybody else on the team, I, I don't think that's what's going on behind closed doors. I don't think, I think a lot of Bengals fans are talking about a team friendly deal in the sense of we're going to pay Joe Burrow $40 million a year. That's crazy. We're going to pay Joe Burrow 50 plus million a year. Right. The team friendly aspect of it is, How's the cap hit laid out? Is it hidden mm-hmm. early? Is it hidden late? Is it spread out over seven years? And in that case, I do think he could lean team-friendly route just in the sense that he played with Jamar in college. Like, he took a massive step as a quarterback himself with Jamar Chase. Right. So I think he, he would be a little bit more susceptible to a team-friendly deal, but not in the sense of taking tens of millions of dollars off, but in the way the cap is set up. And then for the salary cap percentage thing, just taking a step back and going from like a macro angle on it, I would be even more surprised if the Bengals were pioneers in the contract space than anything. The Bengals are not going to be the first team. Granted, we've made a lot of strides in the last four right, or five yeah, years. We're, where have the Bengals ever been at the forefront of we, the National Football we, League? We've made a lot of strides, but that's a big step to sign someone to the first ever salary cap percentage contract. And I just don't see that happening with Mike Brown still alive. It is funny every year around the trade deadline in the NFL, um, you know, sports talk in this town, got to talk about something. Oh, the Bengals didn't make any moves. (laughs) When has that ever been a thing? Like, like, are we just like, I, I know we're evolving. The Bengals are evolving as a franchise, but are we just like forgetting who they are? Or like when we, we start really talking about they should make some some trades in the draft. Like when has that really ever been a thing? I mean, I know they'd make a few small minuscule trades, but like first round moving way up. Came up to get Jackson back. Carmen. <laughs> Great move. Great track record. Great move. But that is that is a fair point. When, when are yeah. the Bengals ever been the pioneer of the landscape of the National Football League at all? Casey, the Bing- any- well, the, B- the Bengals have a good track record with the the positions that matter. For sure. I mean, you think about Carson Palmer back in the day. I mean, they they paid him top dollar. I mean, they they will they will do whatever it takes to get a guy signed. Now, to Jacob's point, I do think that, and I hope that Joe Burrow's contract is more than four years. That is not team friendly. Right, it's got to. It's, it's got to be. Gotta, it's it's got to be a decade. Seven. I would hope that it would be a decade. Okay. I, that's a let, lot to ask. Let me propose something just preposterous. So I've already alluded to that. I I think in this town we have may have fallen a little too in love with JB Nine. What if? I've always thought this with um, Major League Baseball teams, but never in the NFL. What if the Hamilton County proposed on the next election day the Joe Burrow tax levy (laughs) to where everyone pays a little bit for Joe Burrow's 
contract to make sure that he is the highest paid guy in the NFL. Because that, I don't know a whole lot about politics, but I'm certain that people would pay that instantly. People would vote yes all automatically, depending on whatever it is. You know, just a property tax or whatever. Hate taxes in this country. Hate taxes in this state. But for some reason, I just am overwhelmingly sure that if the city, that Hamilton County was just like, hey, we're going to do the Joe Burrow levy, it'd pass. <laughs> Flying I, colors. Probably. I don't even think you had to, you'd have to go that official. I think if you set up a GoFundMe right now, it, it would be completed in an hour. That is illegal NFL-wise. I understand. I understand. I know that's not how it works, guys. But this is hypothetical. Is it this is never going to yeah. happen. Is it? Yeah, teams are the only ones that can huh. pay the contract money. Well, I mean, there's always under-the-table deals. We know that happens, Correct. right? Yeah, we can I mean, figure out roundabouts to this. Joe Burrow signs a $30 million a year contract. I've never seen any roundabouts in the tax code before. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, Reed. I mean, I'm sure if you go to Skyline, you, you'll see in their receipts there's a little JB9 tax. Sir Boy Wonder says he'll donate $1,000 right here and right now. <laughs> Guaranteed. Him. All right, I'm going to start a GoFundMe, um, Sir Boy. Just go ahead and donate $1,000. Don't ask where the money goes, but I might, mean, go, I might, might, might yeah. go to a, a trip down to the old Sino for, <laughs> for the old Speaking of scandals. Yeah, speaking of betting scandals, let's go on. Let's move on. This show has dragged on for That's a great days. transition right there. We're good at right it. Right into it. That's what we do so well Let's here. Let's go. That's what we, Very proud. What we've been working on. We, when the show goes off, we start working on our segues. So betting scandals, guys. So obviously, we talked yesterday on the show. We had Scott Springer on off the bench to talk about what happened at the University of Cincinnati um, with the two, with uh, director of baseball operations and the assistant coach getting let go on top of Alabama's coach getting let go and what has happened over in Iowa now, we are seeing more and more betting scandals. And, I, and I'm just going to pose the question to all four of you guys and, and you in the chat. Are we heading towards the biggest betting scandal in sports history? And you got to remember, there was a team that once threw an entire World Series. You got to remember, we're talking about a guy who's the hit king who can't get into the Hall of Fame because of his betting scandal. Are we heading as these company eras, these leagues get more and more in bed with the betting industry? And the betting industry is not going anywhere. It makes far too much money. It has grown the popularity of these leagues because people bet on it and watch more. But we are treading lightly. We are tiptoeing getting closer, inching towards more and more betting scandals. Are we heading towards possibly the biggest betting scandal ever? Are, are these going to become more commonplace? Are these going to become to where they are just footnotes and headlines because we are seeing so many of this? Where are we heading as a sports industry as we keep going into this betting world? Do you think we're going to see more scandals? Do you think they're going to be more inflammatory as they go on? I think, there, I, I think there's absolutely going to be – Calvin Ridley, what did he get? He got suspended for a year for just Full doing year. parlays. Yep. So I, I think you're going to see more of that. You're going to see more players trying to do parlays like that. I don't think there will be anything to some huge degree, some elaborate conspiracy. Maybe there will be. But I think there will be more – certainly more of that. There will be more average players trying to bet on their teams to win a game and not realizing that, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. So I, I think there will be more – I don't think there will be anything like the, the – the Chicago Black Sox. I don't think that'll happen again. You don't think there'll be teams directly throwing for it? No. I could see referees. I could see referees uh, um, 
What was the guy? Eric Lewis had a burner on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I think there could be referees potentially throwing games. But I don't think that would be, in my opinion, the highest of, of the scandals. What, what does a punter make? A punter? Yeah, in the NFL. What does a punter make in the NFL? Yeah. I have no idea. Four or five million? million. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Four, it depends on if you're a really good punter or not. You're in the Super Bowl. You're in any game. Actually, on just a normal Sunday. Two terrible punts? Yeah. <laughs> let, it, let, it, let it flow through your hands a la Michigan, Michigan State, like we saw a couple years ago. Or just another terrible punt. That's the decisive matter in a game right then and there. There yep. is incentive. Is all I'm saying. You, you know what I'm I'm more concerned about the more and more that I hear about it are college kids yeah. on on props. And I don't think the scandal. I think eventually we're going to hear a scandal of something like I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here. Like somebody's mm -hmm. going to get killed or something. But like. I think there is going to be something with a repercussion for a kid that missed a bet. And maybe he wasn't even in on it. Just you see all these DMs that these athletes get and all these threats and everything because so-and-so, he missed a free throw and he didn't go over his 10 and a half or whatever. I think the bigger scandal not, is not so much going to be the insider trading or whatever because I think on a small scale, that's just going to keep happening. Right. The, the Calvin Ridley thing and these coaches and these players and everybody, they're cracking down on this really hard. Like if, if the UC situation is to be handled at face value, then what Andy Nagel and Kyle Sprague did was very negligible. We don't know all the details to that. Right. We don't know what happened more behind the scenes. But if what we're supposed to read into that is what happened at face value that they just knew about it and didn't report it and didn't bet on anything and didn't give away any insider trading, then they are so far removed from the situation. All they knew was that they knew about the situation and didn't right. report it. And they were in a tough spot because they knew about the information because of a travel ball coach, probably who they had recruiting ties with. So then they're caught in between thinking, well, do we want to do we want to get this guy in trouble because we might end up recruiting this guy's kids down the line? Or do we sit on this information and hope that it doesn't come out? Well, it did come out. That Maybe that's not what happened. Maybe there's a lot more to it that we don't know. But if on the surface that is what happened and that's the actual story, then these guys got fired for that. And you're just going to start to see these repercussions like the 41 kids at, at Iowa. And the other thing about the Iowa kids too, and I know I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent on this. No, you're good. But it's good. But – what, what's going to happen with this is you see these the, 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 the gambling laws in the NCAA are so archaic right now because they haven't caught up to where we are in 2023 that if you're a college athlete or, or even if you work for a university directly, if you, you cannot gamble on any NCAA sanctioned sport at the NCAA or professional level. A baseball player in, the, in college cannot bet on an NFL game because there is college football. They can bet on NASCAR, they can bet on boxing, they can bet on the UFC. They can't bet on sports that are sanctioned by the NCAA. So what's gonna end up happening here is all these kids are gonna get suspended like they did at Iowa for betting on LeBron James or whatever that they don't have any involvement with. I don't see why they can't update those codes so that a college baseball player could bet on the NFL or bet on the NBA or whatever. Maybe, maybe they can't bet on their own sport that they play because maybe they played with a guy that got drafted, went to the league, mm -hmm. and then they're friends with him. So I could see that. But then you could say, well, maybe he was friends with a football player and then he's in the NFL. You know, so like I, I do see the gray area there. It's tough, but I see the gray area. 
The problem for me is going to be when you get these college kids that aren't hitting their totals or whatever, and they're maybe they're 18 or they're 19, they, they're, they're, they're in a low point in the season, and then they start getting DMs anyway because they didn't hit their point total. That's going to be, to me, where I start seeing the scandal, not so much the throwing games, because that might happen anyway. But I don't think that will change to a degree any more so than we've already seen it. But I think you're going to really start to see players who might not be able to handle that pressure that all of a sudden start getting DMs and you start saying, oh, man, like, is this guy, is this, what are we doing here? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I think that's the scandal. Are we are we going to start hearing stories about, you know, these college kids they go out to a college bar after a game, you know, whatever. Just, you know, some some Kentucky Wildcat basketball player goes to a bar in Lexington and someone starts a fight with him in the bar because he didn't hit his total like you mentioned. Are we going to hear stories like that? Are we going to see things like that? 100%. It's funny you mentioned the the archaic rules of the NCAA. Those will change. They have to change. It might be slow because the NCAA is slow to change. But those rules about betting on different sports and stuff like that, those are going to change. I remember when I played, I played Division three college baseball at a terrible baseball school. Like We were bad. And every year before March Madness, we had a team-wide meeting with the athletic department. And they were like, hey – just so you know, you can't get it on any uh, tournament brackets with money. You, you start giving money around for the tournament bracket draws, you know, you make your bracket and whatever. Can't get in on that. We'd get banned from the NCAA or you, you lose eligibility for the NCAA. It's like, all right, because they're really going to be cracking down on some Bluffton Beaver baseball team for throwing, <laughs> having a little tourney draw, having a March Madness pool, whatever. We, I mean, that went in one year right out the other, but neither here nor there. But I think you're right. I think we are just getting close to seeing more and more of these things. They're going to they're gonna come out regularly. It's not going to be a scandal anymore. It's just going to be another headline in the news cycle. Thoughts on, on, on betting? Anything to add? No, I, but I, I, I think you guys are right. I, I think there will be that DM factor where kids are just going to have to log off social media completely at some point because it's going to be where people are – either asking for tips or they're threatening people. Sure. That's where, that's where we're going. Sure. All right. In the vault. Ooh. So I got I got one before. This show is sponsored oh, by Betfred Sportsbook. Casey, what do you got for us? The over on the uh, run total for the Reds game today. Over it's, on the Reds it's, game. It's 10 and a half. I, I like know that. It's hot. I like that over. 10 and a half. But I just did a quick little research here. Boston Red Sox are the second on uh, on this uh, uh, analytics page here. They're second in overs mm. at a 61% rate of over. Cincinnati falls at six or seven here at a 57% rate of overs. So mm. just on based off of that alone, these teams also like to hit offensively. We have really bad pitching on both sides. Let's see some runs today, right? See some runs. See some runs. We went two and one on our not too picky graphic yesterday. Uh, so that back. is so that is five and what would that be? Five and five over our last <laughs> our last three graphics. <laughs> hey, but two winning cards out of the last three. So that's what yep. matters. That's what matters. Paul, you got anything for us yet? Because I've got one for you. Uh, There's just no way in H E double hockey six that the Cubs sweep the Rays today. 
So take the Rays. Minus 145. We beat Shane McClanahan yesterday. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. I'll now, take- Justin Steele is on the mound, but take the Rays. Minus 145 on the money. I'll go back, back to the well on the Orioles. Minus 110. Money line. We love the Orioles. Paul, we're getting close to Paul's parlay. Paul's parlay Friday. Paul's parlay on Friday. That's a teaser. That's what we do best on this show. All right, where are we going to lunch? I got a real gross one today. Ooh, ooh. Jacob. Jacob's a hot better. Oakland Athletics plus 190 on the money line to complete their first sweep of the last two years ooh. against the Braves. They won the first two games. So I, act- I did this thing today when I was going to talk about uh, different payrolls. And, you know, the top th- – the top – Four, Four payrolls have, in the MLB yep. have the same record. Less. Have, a, have, a, have slightly worse. Okay, yeah. Than the bottom four payrolls. Three. And the only reason that that is the case is because the Oakland Athletics <laughs> are terrible. There like every other three, yeah. the other three out of the four are over 500. <laughs> it's the Pirates. The Padres are like. The Orioles and the Rays. The Orioles and Rays have, what, the two best yeah. records in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And then the Pirates are 500. But After th- starting what? 20 and 6. Right. It's not good, <laughs> but it is laughable. The Oakland Athletics sit right now at 12 and 45. The next lowest win totals are the, the Royals at 17. So they're five games behind <laughs> the second worst team. Elliot. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to fade Casey. There's something about Dream Weaver. Luke Weaver is the worst, the best worst pitcher I've ever seen. There's something about the guy where he's just going to go out. He's going to give up four runs, sure, but it's going to it's going to look good. It's going to be like a quiet. It's like if somebody dropped like a quiet 30 points in a in an NBA game. He's not he's not good. He's certainly not good, but I don't think he's the worst of all time. He went six and a thirds last time he last time out against St. Louis. Didn't allow a run. Miami only allowed one run, five and a third, four runs against the Yankees. I don't know. Dream Weaver season. I'm going Reds. Under 10.5. Reds, Red Sox, under 10.5. One of you guys are going to win. That's right. They get exactly, put a winner right. on the graphic today. And, unless, unless they get exactly 10.5, which would just be That would be tough. Just oh, crazy. Crazy. Oh, that's that's crazy. Crazy. We'd have a hell of a show tomorrow <laughs> if they put 10.5 runs. Everett, Everett, Everett Henry commented on our segues, which have just been fantastic on this show, by the way. Commenting on how we were just talking about the ramifications of gambling in the world of sports. All right, back to gambling. <laughs> back, to, back to where we are. And he also mentioned it's time to vacate those wins. Not a whole lot of them up in Bluffton Beaver U. So don't have to worry about that anytime soon. All right, what we got for lunch? Any suggestions? Elliot, Jacob? I'm not Paul. I stay loyal to the wheel. So All right, that is true. Whoa. It's true. <laughs> now, Paul is catching a stray right now. I was accused by Mouse Cop rightfully so, that we don't respect the wheel. Now listen, I'm going to throw Paul directly under that bus. He, 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 push, he pushes us to not respect I the respect wheel. I respect the wheel, I would say, 60% of the time. It's not, not high enough. <laughs> That's not high enough. Not high enough. Make sure Jersey Mike's is on there. Jersey Mike sounds good. Put, put two Jersey Mike's on there. Two double, double, double Jersey Mike's. Double Jersey. So do you guys rig the wheel? Is this yeah. how this works? You no, guys no, no. Just we rig don't this? rig the wheel. Yeah, you did. There's <laughs> 10 gold stars up there. Oh, well, there's a new gold star today. Nobody there's eats gold, gold star. star. So have, I don't know three people in my, five, in my life that eat gold Casey star. Casey prefers gold star. That's correct. Casey ain't the only one. Whoa. So have five gold stars. Put Jersey Mike's on there. <laughs> what are I we did. doing? A Sonic for Mouse Cop. I did, yeah. And a panda for, for Paul. God. Panda for Paul. We gotta have a, we I gotta will have a tell you right now I'm disrespecting the wheel if we end up at panda. 
Elliot, second day on the job, you got any suggestions for the wheel? Put no, I think I think add another gold star. Let's even it out a little oh, bit. Hey, another is this one. <laughs> Five gold stars? Throw another yeah. one on there. <laughs> All right. Preposterous. All right. We're not going to gold star. It's going to land on something else. <laughs> it would be funny. Here we go. Here we go. Smell oh, your panda. Come on! Smell your panda. Oh. oh. Oh, is it Gold Star? <laughs> I'm shocked. No, 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 no. We, no, we, we eliminate him. We, we eliminate him. Oh, we eliminate him? We We're doing five Gold Stars in a row. <laughs> yeah. We're this is an eliminator. Run here. Jersey? Uh -oh. oh, no. Oh, no. Paul, you're not going to try oh, to call no. it this time? Oh, well, I said Panda. Yeah, I have a bad feeling about Panda. <laughs> no. All right, so there's right. a Gold Star gone. Gold Star with a period gone. Gold Star, Panda, or Sonic? Great options. Those are great options. Except for Sonic. Sonic sucks. Mouse Cop isn't even here. Oh, no. Yeah, why did we put Sonic in there if Mouse Cop's not even on, in the chat? Sebastian, where you at? <laughs> oh, man. Another Gold Star. Government alone. names. <laughs> Government names. <laughs> Sonic. Uh, Sonic, smell ya. Get that out of here. Panda's still hanging around a little too long. Now, here. if Panda, if Panda, if is Panda makes off, it out of this, we still have to spin till the end. We do have to spin till the end. Stop! Uh, stop! Uh, All right, we're going to right. Gold Star. We still gotta. Well, see. you still gotta spin it. We gotta we spin the wheel. We gotta gold know star? which Gold Star to go. Gold Star? We're going gold, to gold Star? star? Or gold Star? Yeah. <laughs> if it lands on the question mark, do we have to try it again? Nope. <laughs> we don't have jollies enough on this. Chat. And Jolly Jolly was in the chat today. Oh, there's Mouse Cop. Well, it's all right. Well, we went to Gina's yesterday. We, we took Elliot and Jacob to Gina's yesterday for their introduction to Hamilton. All right, this is for the one that we're going to. Oh, Gold, Gold Star. Star! Get Gold excited Star! about it! Get excited about it, guys. It's a great show, the final show of May. Tomorrow's June 1st, so we just usher in the summer. Hopefully, the Reds go over or under. Hopefully... The Athletics get that sweep. I don't remember what Paul said. Paul, what was your bet? Uh, Orioles. The Orioles went in the money line. Casey's and hopefully my bet loses that the Rays are going to win tonight. But this has been Box Lunch. As always, it's prevented by Betfred Sportsbook. Reed Mouse, Elliot, Jacob, Casey, Paul. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on Friday. Casey, before we issue this off, just got to say, I'll see you on Saturday. I'll see you Good Saturday. luck for the final few days. Good luck. Wait, Thanks. I need the chat. I need some positive vibes for Casey in the chat here to end things out. I don't know. Can we get the chat to give Casey a little little good luck here? It's the last show. Casey's not on the show. Casey, you're not on the show again till next Monday. Right, like the tenth, like the tenth or something. It'd be like the thirteenth. Thirteenth. The thirteenth. Two weeks from or this past 12, Monday. The twelfth. Twelfth. Good luck, Casey. Casey, have fun on your honeymoon as well. Thank you. Thank you. Who is going to bust a move the best? Paul? Mm. Me? Mm. Tom? Mm. Or Tomas? Or Tracy. Or Tracy. Mm. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, uh, Reed, it can't be you because you're probably going to wear too tight of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're already limited there. That was uh, good. Uh, I think, you know, if I had to guess, it's probably Tom. Tom, he, he's surprisingly still in, sh like, really good shape. You know, he's... Surprisingly. Yeah, are you... Well, you Should know, he not be in a, good shape? 
No, when you get up in age, you tend to, you know. Did you just get... call him old? What are you talking about? Casey, ha- we were on, we were doing well here. Just keep, just keep going. <laughs> I, I, my, my bet is Tom. My okay. bet is Tom. Tom, when he hears wobble start, he hears get in there. He gets <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, he gets in there. He's wobble, baby, wobble, baby. All right, see you guys. See you on Friday. See ya.